Hello, and thank you for joining me for Hawkeye Talk with Jimmy Hawk. This is Season 3, Episode 22. I had no plan of doing another podcast this week until after Northwestern game and my trip up to Kinnick Stadium this weekend. But I just keep talking to friends about Iowa football. I keep thinking about Iowa football, that game last week, what's coming up ahead. So I wanted to do a quick preview of the Iowa-Northwestern game talk a little bit more about the quarterback situation as well as the offensive line after the game this past weekend against Ohio State because of the six turnovers it it still just blows my mind when you think of Kirk Ferentz and his focus on not turning the ball over to win ball games stay in ball games and they had six turnovers but that that and then the change in the second half to Alex Padilla really had me focused after the game on the quarterback situation But I really think the biggest issue with this offense is the play of the offensive line so far this year. You know, you can go back to, you know, when I was a little kid watching NFL games, college football games, and you'd always hear the announcers saying, the game is one of the trenches. And that's how the Hawkeyes have been successful over the years, whether it was Hayden Fry, Kirk Ferentz, having really solid offensive line play and solid defensive line play. We've had so many guys that have gone into the NFL on both sides of the line. And this year, the offensive line just has not been there. And what's remarkable is they haven't even really shown improvement as the year has progressed. Now, I do have to admit, they've played some really good teams of late that have really good defenses. You know, Michigan, Illinois, Ohio State, those last three losses – Those are teams with really elite defenses. Even Ohio State, who wasn't really good on defense last year, seems to have turned that around. Let's look at total defense, and that's the the total number of yards given up. It's just one statistic, but I like that statistic because it it factors in rushing defense as well as your passing defense. Illinois is number one in the nation in total defense, giving up just 221 yards per game. Ohio State is second, giving up 240 yards per game. Michigan is fifth in the nation with Iowa right behind them in sixth place. So the Hawkeyes have played some really good defenses the last few weeks. So that's a factor when you're looking at what this offense has been able to do. Rutgers, by the way, is seventh in the nation in total defense. Iowa State, 10th. So five of the seven teams that the Iowa Hawkeyes have played this year are in the top 10 in the nation in total defense. Now, playing the Hawkeyes probably helped them get there, right? Iowa doesn't have a very good offense, but these teams have played seven games, so it's not just that they played the Hawkeyes. These are all really good defenses. And I'm not making excuses. I'm going to talk more about the offensive line as we go on and, and things like that. I, I'm not making excuses, just trying to trying to dive in a little bit further here. Now, you look at that first game of the season was against a team that's now number one in the FCS the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. They're undefeated since losing to the Hawkeyes. They're only giving up 16 points per game. The Hawkeyes didn't get anywhere near 16 points. That would have been nice that day. But um, And they're only giving up 260 total yards per game. So nothing has been easy for the Hawkeyes when you look at that schedule. And they should be playing better on offense. There's no doubt about that. They should easily be 5-2 and two right now but they just haven't been able to run the ball with any consistency. The pass protection has been horrendous 
and the Hawkeyes are sitting there at three and four. Now, looking at the teams coming up on the schedule, Minnesota is ranked 12th in total defense, Wisconsin 33rd, Purdue 44th, Northwestern 97th, and they're giving up 408 yards per game. And then Nebraska is one of the worst offenses in the nation, or defenses, excuse me, ranked 124th out of 131 teams. They're giving up 470 yards per game. So things seem to be getting a little bit easier when you look at the defenses that the Hawkeyes will be playing in the upcoming schedule. Now, Wisconsin's a little down due to attrition. They lost a lot of guys after last season, but Jim Leonard is a really good coach. He's their acting head coach, now the defensive coordinator. So that's going to be a tough one. They're going to continue to improve as the season moves along. Minnesota, they seem to be you know, pretty good uh, on defense, and, and that's going to be a task for the Hawkeyes. But Iowa now has a chance to see some progress this week against Northwestern. Pat Fitzgerald, the Northwestern coach, just has to be going nuts with how his team is playing on both sides of the ball. They're a lot better than Iowa offensively. They're averaging 390 yards per game. That's ranked 74th in the nation, that category. If that's what the Hawkeyes were doing right now, they would for sure be 5-2. and two. But they're 118th in scoring offense. So it's, it's, they're putting up some yards. They're just having trouble putting it in the end zone. And surprisingly, the Hawkeyes aren't last in scoring offense. They're ranked 128th with Colorado. Colorado State, you wonder what those players are doing in the evenings. They've got some some things that are legal there that, that not all states have passed yet. And then UMass is also scoring fewer points per game than Iowa. Just just crazy that, that two Colorado teams and UMass are, are behind the Hawkeyes there. But, you know, it really seems like a better matchup this weekend for Iowa's offense. But the offensive line has struggled so mightily this year. If you watch the pro football focus grades each week, they have been consistently really bad. Not even close to average, or if a player is close to average in pass protection, they have a really low score in run blocking or vice versa. And it's been really kind of shocking watching linemen where they, they you know their eyes are one way and the defender goes right past them, they don't get their hands out in pass protection, and they just let guys slip through and make tackles, you know, whether they're in pass protection or even when they're trying to, to run block, they just kind of let guys through and, and make plays in the backfield or for really short gains. It has been just a roller coaster watching that offense and the offensive line. And I started thinking, how did the Hawkeyes get here as far as the offensive line in year two of offensive line coach George Barnett? Now, Barnett has years and years of experience as an offensive line coach. Uh, people seem to love him. His former players love him. It seemed like a home run higher when the Hawkeyes got Barnett, but it's been a struggle his first two years on the job. But the, the issues are kind of a mix of things. When you look at last year, the line wasn't great. There was attrition. A starting tackle just stopped playing the sport. So that really hurt going into last year. And then there were injuries. But the middle was bolstered with Tyler Linderbaum. That hid some of the problems. You could obviously tell there were problems, but Tyler Linderbaum was so good, he masked a little bit of that issue. And then Kyler Schott, shooter, when he was healthy, 
the line started looking better. It started improving at the end of the season and in the bowl game, at least that second half of the bowl game looked pretty good. Then before this season, Cody Entz hung up the cleats, didn't want to play football anymore. You know, he was a guy, I don't know what his situation was. I'm not putting him down there. He could have been injured or, or whatever the situation was. He didn't want to, he didn't, he didn't want to or couldn't play anymore. He's a guy that Kirk Ferentz said he could play any position. He was a little bit undersized, but really versatile on that offensive line. But he is not on the team. And then Michael Mislinski, 6'3, 290 pound center, was injured. Now, Mislinski, if you recall, he was a recruit out of Florida. His dad played at Tennessee and then played nine years in the NFL. And I really thought he was the heir apparent at center, but injuries derailed that. And he is just a redshirt freshman, so who knows if he would have been quite ready at this point. Uh, but that's when Kirk Ferentz moved Logan Jones to center with Mislinski out injured. They needed some additional depth at that center position. And you know that's just been kind of a roller coaster ride with Logan Jones at center. A lot of timing issues with the snap. You see guys moving all, all different times. It's, it's been kind of crazy this year watching, watching that offensive line get off the ball, and then I thought this was the year for Justin Britt, a 6'4", 300-pound junior. He has been often injured in his career, and once again, prior to the season, he got injured, and he's out for the whole season. I really thought he would be a guy starting and really excelling on that offensive line. So there's a talented guy that's out, David Davidkoff, a, a young guy, but a lot of hype around him with four stars coming out of high school based on 24-7 sports. He was a big get when the Hawkeyes landed him as a recruit, and he was listed in the two deep. Then he had some sort of injury, and he's out for the year. So I really thought he might take over the tackle spot this year at 6'6", 310 pounds as a redshirt freshman. And there's a lot of other guys. If you look at their roster, there's several guys on the roster that we've never seen before that haven't played. You know, They're just obviously not developing into where they can get on the field. Um, which, I don't know, they have guys, they're playing the best ones, I guess, and, and they're just really struggling this year. Against Ohio State, I believe the starting lineup was Mason Richmond at left tackle. He's been there pretty much all year. He's a great kid from Blue Valley High School, Kansas, three-star in 24-7 sports. Started last year, took some lumps, but I thought he was going to really take a step forward this season. Just been a little inconsistent over there. And uh, you know he's going to continue to grow and get better and better. At left guard, Nick DeYoung, the walk-on, had been starting of late. It seems it's been Tyler Ellsbury. Both are big kids, 6'5", 6'6", well over 300 pounds. Both have played fairly well at times, but have had their share of struggles too. Again, it's just inconsistency. And I think that inconsistency and, and not everybody on that line working as a team is just causing all kinds of issues this year. At center, I mentioned Logan Jones. He was a four-star athlete out of Lewis Central and Council Bluffs. He played offense and defensive line in high school. And initially, he was at defensive line at Iowa before being moved in the spring to center. And you know, I mentioned the timing just hasn't been there on the snaps. Um, but he's learning on the job. And he hasn't been on the offensive side of the ball very long. And, you know, I guess to, 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 to have thought that he was just going to come in with such little experience at that center position and, and dominate right out of the gates was asking a little bit too much. But, you know, he's another guy that 
I think he's probably going to be really good over the next year as he just continues to get more experience out there. And then there's at right guard. We've seen Bo Stevens and Jennings Dunker both playing that right guard position quite a bit. Stevens from Blue Spring, another four-star, but just a redshirt freshman going through some growing pains. I believe Dunker was out for the Ohio State game. I don't think he played. I think he's got an injury. He's another big redshirt freshman out of Illinois, and at right tackle, it looked like at the beginning of the season it was going to be Jack Plum. The coaches were hyping him up for his senior year, but he has struggled for much of his career at right tackle. And then Connor Colby ended up being moved to right tackle. And with his size and athleticism, you know, people really thought that he would excel at that right tackle position. He has struggled at tackle so far this year, and he was moved back inside to guard during the Ohio State game after just really not blocking guys in pass protection, especially at that right tackle position. And they brought Plum in uh, to play tackle the last, last half of that game. Now, Plum, he was a 6'8", 240-pound tight end when Tim Polishek got him out of Wisconsin. So he spent a few years trying to pack on 70 or so pounds. Colby, a four-star offensive lineman from Cedar Rapids, and he's 6'6", 300 pounds. He was thrown in last year as a true freshman. Seemed to get better as the season progressed. But right tackle has really been kind of an adventure for him. So they're still trying to figure it all out. And it's going to be interesting to see who's in the lineup to start the game against Northwestern and how they can do against a defense that's not to the caliber, caliber of the teams they've played of late. I also want to talk a little bit about the Hawkeye drama this week with Kirk Ferentz at his press conference on Tuesday. He took a little time to talk about the reporter from Ohio who asked some really pointed questions after the game on Saturday. You could tell Kirk was agitated at the time. You know, he had just watched his team get blown out 54-10 and have six turnovers. This guy's firing some shots at him. They were fair questions. I, I didn't mind it. You could tell he was agitated. Uh, but Kirk called it an interrogation. Uh, the guy wrote an article that I'm sure Kirk didn't like if that if that came across his desk. I thought it had some stupid things in it, too, kind of overreaching, you know, the impact of sports on on the people in general and everything. But Kirk kind of called out all media when he said that he's glad he doesn't have that job. You know, things could be a lot worse when he thought about, you know, man, I'm glad I don't have that job as the reporter. Not sure if he just he meant it in general as a shot at the media or just referring to that one guy. But it caused a bit of a firestorm on social media. And people just don't seem to remember or don't care that coaches used to routinely have blow-ups way worse than this and call out media and press conferences. I mean, it used to be all the time. Hayden Fry was a master at it. I mean, I'm not going to – there, there's some guys that, you know, Bobby Knight and stuff, just ridiculous people. But, but it, it used to be commonplace – for coaches to blow up, and that just doesn't happen a whole lot anymore. So, I, you know, Ferentz should have known better. Uh, he shouldn't have said those things, and he has since apologized. It seems like a non-news item to me at this point after the apology. Kirk is feeling a little bit of pressure, I'm sure. I mean, everybody is mad at him right now. And here was a guy kind of getting at, after him, you know, with questions after the game really pointed questions, and I'm sure that Kirk was about as frustrated as he has been in his time coaching at Iowa after that game. But it really would have been better to just leave it alone. Time to move on from that, though. No big deal. 
you know, I've made it pretty clear my preference is for Brian Ferentz to be gone after this season. And so I don't mind those questions after the game. Um, it was clear that Kirk Ferentz was really annoyed at the time. And I was a bit amused by the call out at the pre- press conference on Tuesday. I like to see that the old ball coach has a little fire left in him. But I think I was in the minority. A lot of people have been offended by it, and it became a big deal. So he apologized, and let's just move on from that. Well, let's get back to some quick Northwestern talk and final comments. I'm really curious how the offense is going to look this weekend. It's the worst team that the Hawkeyes have played since Nevada. Now, Nevada is worse than Northwestern. I mean, Northwestern has, has better athletes. But the Hawkeyes took care of Nevada 27 to nothing. Only gave up 151 total yards in that game. And the Hawkeye offense rolled to 337 yards. That's big for them. 175 passing, 162 rushing yards, so some pretty good balance there. Petrus didn't look too bad in that game. He missed some guys, but but he also had a touchdown pass. And Caleb Johnson had over 100 yards with two touchdowns in that game. That was the one where he just turned on the Jets and and kind of raised some eyebrows that, okay, we have got a really talented back here. Northwestern has lost six straight games after beating Nebraska and Ireland in Week 0. If you recall, Scott Frost had the complete mental blunder. He was up by, they were up by 14. He called the onside kick, and the game completely changed when Northwestern covered that onside kick. Northwestern has lost to Duke by eight. Duke is not a bad team. They're five and three. They've had some close games against some really good teams and had some decent wins as well. But then they lost to Southern Illinois by a touchdown, Miami of Ohio by three points. And then they had a more impressive loss. They lost to Penn State just 17-7, to so pretty good defensive effort there. And then they were blown out by Wisconsin 42-7 to before dropping to Maryland last week 31-24. to And you know, basically, if Iowa loses this game, I would call it rock bottom in the last decade. You cannot lose to a 1-6 Northwestern game on homecoming. And, and that would drop the Hawkeyes to 3-5 and five with better opponents than Northwestern coming up on the schedule. Um, you know, it seems like the sky is falling right now, but this team really could go 5-0 and o to end the season. I don't expect that. I think that they're going to be, I think three wins is probably the max. They could go 5-0, and o, but, you know, with this offense, it's going to be a struggle. If they went 5-0, and they'd be 8-4, and you know, with a possibility of, of nine wins with a bowl game. And I just think the offensive line is going to really have to improve quickly for that to happen. But with this Hawkeye defense, anything's possible. I thought this weekend for sure it was Padilla time. But from everything I'm hearing, it's likely going to be Petrus to start and maybe a, a rotation of those two quarterbacks. Or maybe Petrus will stay in there if he gets something going right away on offense. I'm just hoping that the fans go with whoever is in at quarterback. There'll be recruits there, family members at the game. No reason to boo at this point. They're going out there and doing the best they can. They don't have a whole lot of support right now. So uh, it's good to see some wide receivers back, and, and hopefully they can get them the ball. The good news is if Petrus isn't getting it done at this point, I think we know that Padilla is going to go into the game. And, you know, hopefully, again, the quarterbacks are going to have a little bit more time to throw in this game uh, with Northwestern not having as good of a defense. 
And I, I'm looking to see Iowa at some point go to shotgun all the time. It's just going to give the quarterback more time to scan the coverage, see how the, the defense is lined up, see the movement after the snap. You know, they can have plays where they can hand the ball off if the situation's right. Um, just have a little bit more time to read the coverage and get through the progressions without backpedaling and setting the feet. You're already set back there. I also want to see more quick passes, wide receiver screens, running back screens, quick slants, quick outs, um, just plays to help supplement the running game, spread the offense out a little bit more to help open up holes when the Hawkeyes need to run in the middle of the line. And I want to see a handful of jet sweeps in this game. with Arlen Bruce, maybe one or two to Deontay Vines as well. See what some explosive players like that can do with the ball. Try to get some big gainers out on the edge. Again, making that defense honest by, by running some different plays. And I hope that the Hawkeyes as well will be going downfield on some deep passes. We have not seen this much at all this year, so I doubt it's going to happen. But I think they need at least four deep passes to keep that defense honest and make them defend the back end. You know, maybe a couple of sideline passes to Brody Breck. We haven't seen that in a while. That's pretty low risk. The ball is typically going to go out of bounds, or, or Breck can go up and get it. Maybe a deep post to Bruce or Deontay Vines. Just have if the, if the defense is in the right coverage, just have the quarterback sling it out there and let those guys run underneath the ball, see if they can get it. Again, low risk on, on that kind of play. And I, I just really want to see Arlen Bruce getting more touches, you know, with short passes. Get him in space with a chance to, to make a move and get some yards after catch. It just ha hasn't happened much this year. I know he's been dinged up as well, so I'm sure that's part of it. But you know, the Hawkeyes need this kind of stuff. They want to win a few more games and get to the bowl. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how this game goes for the Hawkeyes. They need some positive plays. Then it'll be off to Purdue next week for another Big Ten West matchup, the Charlie Jones game. And I'm picking the Hawkeyes to win this one, 20-13. I'm looking forward to getting back into Kinnick, hopefully seeing a win against this bad Northwestern team. I don't need a blowout here. I just want to see some positives, some improvement, and a win. So let's get back to 500 and back on the winning track. Go Hawks!